0: furthermore, we have ample evidence from the writings of the Roman provincial and governmental officials that they were taking notice and, and, and were, in, in the Emperor Julian's case, were radically offended at the care and concern the Christians were showing, not just to their poor, but to the Roman poor. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. So glad you're tuning in. Uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful summer day here in Ohio, but it is not summer everywhere else. Tim, what's your weather status right now?
1: It was 46 this morning outside.
0: It's cloudy? it raining and thundering and lightning the last few days. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Bonnie, Bonnie, w- Texas, talk to us.
2: 77, cloudy, but no chance of rain. Humidity, 120 million percent.
0: And if you could see Bonnie's <laughs> hair right now, that... That, like, that is that is that is like that humidity percent is proven by what is happening <laughs> to proven. the top of Bonnie's head. It is it is you know, absolutely I do, it's so amazing.
2: Sad. Do you know how how long it took to get it this tame? So imagine <laughs> if I am
0: not done anything. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Um, so anyway, my brothers and sisters, hey, I wanna I wanna give a, a thank you to. Uh, the many of you who have reviewed our podcast and liked it and subscribed to it, like, like that means a ton. I went back and was reading some of the reviews, and um, boy, thank you. Uh, I'm so delighted that we get to be a part of this, and I'm very appreciative of you taking the time to do that. That helps us in many, many ways. Uh we've got a mailbag episode today because like it, it's just so much. It's so it's so fantastic, but it's so much to uh to keep on top of. So um we've got several several great questions and we're going to start uh today with uh with some middle-aged white men. All right, oh, they've good. they've done it. They've done it again. <laughs> so <laughs> So, and this will tie into one of our questions, but but it was it was so awesome. This came out uh this this tweet and I have to keep reminding myself Twitter is not reality. But um but this tweet came out and and, and evidently it's a conference before oh, I almost
2: texted you this last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. before the Southern Baptist Convention. Yes. And it's uh, the G3 conference and it's the dangers, and this is the tweet: the dangers of social justice and evangelicalism. And then there are one, two, there are five old white guys, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Now, one looks uh, like I'm not. Maybe he's got a little something funky in there, in the bloodline. But but er, er, it's just, and I'm and it's sure they're all white, and, and it's and and they're all middle age. There's one yeah. that maybe looks in his forties. Um, And everyone else is like 50s, 60s, and 70s. And and it was so beautiful because are there dangers in the social justice movement? Of course there are. And we can talk about what those are. But, (laughs) I mean, it's just so wonderfully tone deaf. And, yeah. and some social justice, of course, every time this flares up becomes a thing. But but what I want to, what, what the, was particularly fascinating, I mean, I saw this and just chuckled and went, you know, I'm sure these are fine people who love Jesus and it's not uh, whatever, right? I mean, okay. Um, but, but there was a guy who was uh, on the panel who was responding to the kind of um, howls of both everybody, laughter
2: everybody was like oh i'm right. so glad all these white men can
0: tell us about <laughs> yes. this yes topic. the dangers of social justice perfect yeah. um so so here was his response all right and and this okay. was so and this was so beautiful and it illustrates uh, not only a generational divide but it's a theological divide these days and um, so anyway, one of the guys tweeted out, he said, we are, he's defending the, 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 the panel. And he says, we are not, quote, ill positioned, quote unquote, to discuss the subject of social justice, which includes a multifaceted and wide, wide array of issues and categories, including ethnic division. Why not? It has nothing to do with our skin color or life experience. We have the sufficient word of God. So so I thought okay this is perfect this is perfect because, because I mean I love it now now in one sense of course of course of course uh things are true regardless of the skin color of the person who is asserting them or believing them that is yes no question about it but to say beautifully beautifully that this has nothing to do with our skin color or life experience in a world now where where we are demonstrably daily being shown uh, about the existence of of privilege and oppression and all of these sorts of things, I mean, it's not like this is like ethereal theoretical content, like we're seeing right. videos of, of, yeah. of what it's like to be a black person pulled over as opposed to being a white person pulled over to say that this has nothing to do with our skin color or life experience. We have the sufficient word of God. Bonnie, just go.
2: Just so, go.
0: Yeah, because I because I, 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 w- I, I was going to start ranting. You and should. Then, start well,
2: ranting and I'll interject.
0: Okay. because So, so first of all, um I would say uh, on one hand I understand that way of thinking because uh, in that way of thinking listen the bible is clear and whatever the bible teaches is 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 true regardless of your life experience and your skin color so I understand that the 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 the, the claim being made the issue of course is um uh we, we it is being demonstrably shown that these these issues are so multifaceted and have everything to do with skin color and life experience. Mm-hmm. And a part of the work now of any peacemaking person or organization has to be listening to the voices of people who have been harmed by these, these institutions and systems. So to have a, a bunch of white older men simply saying this has nothing to do with skin color uh, is the height? I mean, it is the ir- the irony of irony of yeah. what privilege turns right. out to be. And not only that, and I'm not saying that white men don't have something to say. Of course, we have something to say. I'm here saying, and, and you're white too, Bonnie. Except you've got so much hair, um, <laughs> but that's a different issue. You
2: know, jealousy looks different on so many
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. Uh, I would look so good with your hair. Like you I, I, I would, I would learn to play the bass guitar. And I go. would if I had hair like that, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: um but but then this then this line then this line that says we have the sufficient word of God. Now, oh my goodness, this is so great. This is so great. Because again, I understand the world. I understand the world that's that's this is coming from, right? Listen, the Bible speaks on this and it doesn't matter. Um but but then of course, Bonnie, I mean and, and Tim hear the You're pushing back like, okay, well, what does it mean that the Bible is sufficient? Does it mean it speaks on every issue that we could ever be confronted with? Well, it can't mean that because obviously it doesn't speak on uh, in vitro fertilization and it doesn't speak on uh, intersectionality issues and it doesn't speak on, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, So it's not sufficient in that regard. Uh, Is it sufficient for rescue and salvation in some theological sense. Okay. Uh, I'd be okay with that. Maybe. But the idea that uh, that all we need is to open up our English Bibles and it yeah. all becomes clear. Um right. I, I think is one of the, the the more fabulously deconstructed ideas that that has has you know that 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 my generation and those before us had held, right? That the Bible right. is super clear right. on this. And we're just, good. Right. And if you just had people who know the Bible and love the Bible and teach the Bible, then everyone should agree on these issues.
2: Yeah, agreed.
0: So and so that's where I'm like, ah, I'm not cool. so sure. I, I do think you're ill positioned. Um, uh, and 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 maybe they are listening to marginalized voices in, in non-public forums. But this is one of those. Um, it, it just seems like okay. Um, it 's a perfect and emblematic illustration of of where certain parts of the church have completely missed the greater cultural movements um and as a result hurt dramatically hurt their witness on these issues it doesn 't right. matter if if even if you were right on these issues to just have a bunch of old white guys up there announcing their rightness has nothing to do with uh, the real and everyday life experiences of tons of people.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, because I I always say like somebody said to me, you know, um, hey, I I told this pastor about you um, and they want you to preach. And I said to him, hey, listen, thank you for doing that. Women don't get opportunities to preach unless men stand up for them. And that's the same true for people of color. They don't get an opportunity to share their story Unless people in places of privilege give them the opportunity to do that. So to your point, maybe they are listening to voices of the marginalized. Mm. But still then, why not put them on the panel? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what does yeah, it say yeah. of, yeah. your right. story like. can only be heard spoken through my mouthpiece? Yes. You know, like, that's yeah. a problem. And then the other, the irony of the whole thing about being like, it doesn't matter about your experience. I think that... One of the things like in terms of talking about the deconstruction of we can just open the Bible and everything's plain and simple is I heard the tricycle analogy from Roar that Mm. we're all sort of living life as a tricycle and the front wheel is our like how we're approaching our faith, the front wheel is experience with the back two being scripture and tradition, that whether we try to or not, we really lead with experience. So even when we come to the text, we're bringing our own experience on the interpretation of the text and how we read it. So I think it's very ironic that they would say, it doesn't matter your life experience, but as white males, they're bringing that experience to how they're interpreting it.
0: That's the irony is, is it doesn't matter about our life experience yeah. Um, this is not about our life experience yet. Uh, we will absolutely be sharing the scriptures through and from our life experience, which is right. very different than a woman, than a person of color, than a marginalized group. And, and, and yeah. again, I don't, I don't want to go so far on this to say, well, it's not like they're, it's not everything that they're going to say is false, and it's not, no. it's not that uh, there aren't dangers. I think there are dangers, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> in, in, in our world, I, I, I just think the naïve, um, the beautifully naïve assumption now that we can just speak truth and, is, and if we can quote a Bible verse, we've done our job right um yeah. and uh, and 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 particularly in an issue that has so such complexity we're just gonna leave it up to five good white men and 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 hopefully there are great guys but yeah, you're right so anyway this, so I saw this and I just went oh that's beautiful this is beautiful this is perfect because I get it I get the world I get that world um but this this leads into our first question all right which is the church's call to do justice. All right, I am passionate about leading my church towards being a community that is all about doing justice. I'm convinced we have the joy and privilege of developing compassion for vulnerable people and then taking steps to care for their physical and spiritual needs. At times, I get pushback on this idea from a vocal minority in my church. Shocker. I had a conversation with a leader in our church who was skeptical about this focus. Now and, now, and this is interesting. He said, he shared with me this interesting thought. From his perspective, the primary call for the church in the New Testament was to care for the poor and vulnerable within the church. Oh, to yeah. him, yes, I, I know this is, this actually is not a bad, a bad point. To him, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot in the New Testament calling the church into caring about these issues outside the church context. Therefore, the church's primary mission is to evangelize, disciple, and then care for the poor and vulnerable in the church. To get too focused on social justice is to be distracted from this primary mission. He says, I disagree, but he is right that in that many of the passages in the New Testament point towards caring um, for the, the poor seem to be referring to those within the church. And that's actually true. That's okay. actually true. In the book of James... Um, and the poor, isn't just the random poor out in the world. It's the poor in the church. Even when Matthew, you know, the very famous sheep and goats passage in Matthew 25, right. that's not, that's not talking about the poor uh, out there in general. That's actually talking about the poor within the group of disciples. So that's true. Absolutely. That's true. Um, my point says this guy is that the Jew-Gentile merger into being the new family of God was such a crazy and insane tradition for the early church that most of Paul's emphasis is built around that dynamic. This doesn't mean that social justice outside of our church walls is any less central to being the church, but when we understand the unique context of the early church, it becomes obvious why Paul and other New Testament writers spent a bulk of their time talking about unity and care within the church. What else would you add? Boom. So we get the argument, right? Yeah. And 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 I uh, and I actually think that is a much uh more sophisticated expression of concern about the broader social justice movement than just the simply hey this takes away from the gospel. No, no, no. Because because the the vast majority of New Testament churches or the New Testament, excuse me, deals with life within the church. No question right. about it. All right? <laughs> So I have a couple of thoughts, Bonnie, and then and then uh, unless you got thoughts and you go first. No, I'll... I have
2: questions, so I'm hoping maybe you answer some of them, <laughs> <laughs> and then well... I can ask more.
0: <laughs> well, my first my first thought is that there is a false dichotomy uh, being offered here, be, because. Um. Uh, So you take some of the, like, like Peter's writings when he says, um, live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds. So the, the, the understanding wasn't, Hey, we take care of our poor and we don't take care of anyone else's poor, but it's actually, we take care of our poor, not only to honor God and to show our devotion to him and to love our neighbor. But equally as important to show the world that Jesus being the risen Lord actually has tangible implications for how we have reordered our social sphere. Right. And so, so there is a missional component, I think, that's being missed here that Peter picks up because Peter says, live good, su- such good lives among the pagans they may see uh you know though, though they may accuse you of doing wrong which could be a reference to nero and 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 the expulsion of jews from rome or christians from rome but uh, they may see your good deeds now the word good deeds here is really interesting because it's a word that means patronage so so what patrons would do Uh, in the roman world is that like they would do public works projects so so uh, a patron would you know these are dumb examples that i I don't know if have any basis in reality but a patron would like build a bridge uh build a library these were very public works that you know it's like somebody donating millions of dollars to university and then they get their name on the building Right, right right Right, so that that kind of thing it was very public, and it was not it was not designed just for church people. It was actually public witness to the world about the generosity of of um, of Jesus and Jesus followers. And so, what I would say first and foremost is, yes, you're correct. Uh, correct, a lot of the New Testament texts have to do with taking care of the poor, but there's this other thing where taking care of the poor. Um, actually becomes a way to witness to the Roman world about the reordering of social relationships in light of the resurrection. And then furthermore, we have ample evidence from the writings of the roman uh, of, of roman pr- provincial and governmental officials that they were taking notice and 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 were in in the emperor julian's case were radically offended at the care and concern the christians were showing not just to their poor but to the roman poor hmm. in other words i think it's like 297 maybe AD or you know, ACE or whatever it's called. Um, there's a letter, and I think it's Julian from, um, oh what's the, what's the zebra movie? The, the, uh, oh, out of Africa. Um, not, no, no, Madagascar. That's what I'm looking oh, for. I was
2: gonna say Zootopia, the I Emperor,
0: the Emperor Julian. Head. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's writing to, he's writing to, um, uh the, the one of the heads of like the roman cult uh or the imperial cult and he's complaining about how well the the followers of this galilean take care of the roman poor mm. and he's lamenting you know why can't we do a freaking We're better job right. right exactly so so my point would be to say um certainly the thrust of the new testament teaching about the poor is that um Uh, you were to care for the poor in the church, but that even that was to be a witness, a greater witness than to the, to the world about the reality of the reordering of social, of social distinctions. And not only that, the practice of the early church and the way that they understood these commands uh, from Jesus didn't just limit their activity to the poor uh, within the church. They, they were taking care of, of plague victims. We have instances of that. Um, so they were there. One of the and, and then Rodney Stark, of course, wrote this incredible book called The Rise of Christianity. And there he highlights many of the factors. And one of them was the, the, the absolute uh, like earth shattering generosity of the early Christians, not just to their own poor, because everyone did that. Right? I mean, at least every religious cult taught to take care of your own poor. That was, was what was so scandalous. What was so scandalous, scandalous to Julian and others is that the, the Christians took care of, of, of the Roman poor and thereby brought them into the church in, in such magnificent ways. So right. even though I would say this person, you know, this objector, is correct that that most of the texts have to do with taking uh, care of the poor in the church. There is a greater emphasis, um, and again, referring specifically to this Peter passage, of of doing this as a way to um, to show the world the reality of the risen Jesus, and and this yeah. is a, of course what Jesus. Is referring to when he talks about being salt and light. This isn't just about believing well and Ooh, look at how great these people believe things. But right. it, but it was it was about no it, with Jesus as Lord you actually live in a much deeper, m- richer, more compelling way for people. Like a city on a hill would draw people to it, you would draw people right. to Christ. Now, what is, does that answer anything?
2: No, but I think sets it, it up well. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and these questions might just be a product of my own weird brain. But I have two, two questions. So the first one, I I think about the state of the new, the new church. And so when all these things are being written, and I think about how a church is in its infancy, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to figure mm-hmm. out who they are and what they do and what they stand for so that it can be distinct from the rest. Right. So my gut instinct on that, not to say that that's right, is, you know, when you're on a plane and you're with your kids and they say, cover your own come on with the oxygen mask before you do the others yeah so in some sense sometimes i read some of these things and i think obviously which goes into my next question obviously jesus wasn't only about taking care of certain people right Mm -hmm, like he mm -hmm, mm -hmm. healed and did all that and took care of the poor across all lines um but so i wondered is it do you think it's fair to say in some of these texts that the idea is more of like this is how we take care of our people because then we can take care of the world. Does that make Hmm. sense? And I Mm -hmm. don't know Mm -hmm. if that is true or not. Um, But for me, which leads into my second question, (laughs) which is how could we say like, to me that sets it up as well, the letters are Paul says this, um, but Jesus did this, but I'm Mm going to go with Paul. Like Mm -hmm. I see that train of thought a lot. Right. That bugs me. Yeah. um, Because I don't think you can do that.
0: Do you mean, do you mean, because what, what someone might say to that would be, well, Jesus was taking care of the Jewish poor. So he was like, no, there are exceptions of course, Mm -hmm. but there are exceptions because they weren't, you know, precisely because they weren't the normal practice of Jesus. So, so they would say perhaps, and I don't know that Jesus practiced exactly what Paul preached, which is you take care, you take care of the family of God sort of first and and there is I I don't think there's actually any question that that's actually taught in the scriptures I I don't think that like I think right. that's true, um the issue it, for this person seems to be well then it, it, that's where it stops,
2: it doesn't go beyond that
0: right and we're saying no 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 there there was actually a call for public good works yes. there was actually a call to make the gospel attractive. And, and there was actually the historical practice of the church expanding its love and, and care mm-hmm. far beyond just the, the poor among us. Because if they'd only done that, again, that wouldn't have been um, so interesting, scandalizing, and controversial to, right. the re- to the rest of the Roman Empire, right? I mean, everyone, everyone right. was supposed to take care of their own poor. Whether they did or not is a different, different story. Right. But, his, but historically, this how Christians handled money— uh, and what they did with it and where they where they where they ran to crisis instead of fleeing from crisis, I mean this was one of the major factors right. in in many, many many people coming to believe that this Jesus was actually real. So so my response would be, hey, I, I have no problem. Absolutely we take care of the Christian poor. No no question about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything in the New Testament that says we stop there. right. Thank you, Tim. what are your thoughts bro i was
1: thinking about this in in terms of like the churches that i've been a part of there is like there's always been a mercy ministry right deals with and and gives opportunity to folks in the church and then there's always been an outward focus that's separate from that to the community at large outside of the church walls Yes. Yeah. And I also wonder too like population is so different now. I you know I just trying to think about all these things contextually. There's so many more people in the world. The church is so much bigger and has so much more money. <laughs> it's just yeah. I don't know. I mean these, yeah. these you know these issues have to they become more three-dimensional as we become such a larger people.
0: Yeah, no for sure. So and and, and so we would agree that first yeah, the part of the problem is people disagree about what social justice actually is. So I don't even I don't even like the word the phrase anymore because there's so much baggage around that.
1: Right.
0: Um uh and, and so so when people will say, you know, I have problems with social justice, often they're not referring to the kind of justice I'm thinking of, you know. Okay. Um so so that that is one huge part of this conversation, but it's, it's undeniable, however, that Jesus of Nazareth and Paul, uh, in pra- in both practice and his preaching, uh, taught that the, the kingdom was to be both proclaimed and demonstrated, mm-hmm. and it, and it was demonstrated in ways. Uh, you know, it's like why why does Jesus heal the guy who's paralyzed after he forgives his sins? Right? It's 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 the sh- the, the visible shows the authority in the invisible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I meet this guy's physical needs in order to point to the greater picture of the fact that I've just forgiven this guy without temple priest or sacrifice, right, right. Um, so so I, I just don't I don't think we can separate these the way that we often do in these sorts of conversations um, I do think it can go too far of course if if we're if we think we can build the, the kingdom apart from the work of the spirit and the yeah. ultimate return of Christ, At that point, I'm like, no, I mean, it's good. That's good. But there is a proclaiming part two that we're to do. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. Any last thoughts on that before we move on? Bonnie? I don't think so. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) As as Forrest Gump Gump would say, that's all we have to say about that.
2: That's all we have to say about that
0: one. Now, this, this is an interesting one. And this may take us the rest of our (laughs) conversation so the subject is rejecting the theology of harm. Now, this, I think, okay. is in reference to the, the, the resurrection um, comment made by Serene Jones of Union Theological Seminary, who on Easter yeah, tweeted out, you don't have to believe in the literal resurrection to believe in resurrection. And there was this big kerfuffle. And of course, the world waited breathlessly for the Vox podcast take on on that whole thing Mm -hmm. yep so um so we uh and and part of her defense it was listen my theology isn't harming anybody what we have to do is we actually have to reject theology that harms people right you know so if it's anti-woman or anti-lgbtq plus you know whatever we have to reject that stuff Mm -mm. and i and i and i was saying well i I don't know. I think denying the central tenet of of Christianity and then calling yourself Christian, that could be confusing for some people. So I was raising the possibility that, yes, the not only theology that harms is harmful, but theology that is that is just quite drastically wrong uh, is harmful. Right. And so anyway, this is the that's the context for this question. I find it interesting, as as you've expo- expounded on centers and borders, uh, that so much talk and focus of our subculture goes to towards understanding a seemingly simple sexual ethic, at least simple to me. Anything outside of marriage, most popularly and historically defined as a union between two sexually different people, also in full transparency, is this is what I have embraced. Uh, Anything outside of that is out in God's eyes. Are we somewhat accommodating people struggling with their desires who feel same-sex attraction by engaging this so deeply? All right. So the podcast, we've been engaging this topic so deeply right, and not calling out that though different, the pain of self that we are trying to let die out is a shared Christian feeling. In other words, it's not just unique. To people with same-sex attraction, we're all called to deny ourselves in one way or another. Look, I want to embrace sin as much as the next guy. <laughs> I like I like this person. Yeah. I would love to embrace it fully, go back to the old ways, cheat on my wife, get hammered, uh, you name it, my flesh wants it. I'm also a pastor. Watch out! We struggle too. But if we're going to embrace um, the centrality of essential doctrine, denial of self has to be the top of uh, the list of things that we should embracing if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus. I will be the first person to say that a celibate, gay, or same-sex attracted Christian is sacrificing more in the American context than any of the rest of us. They're denying themselves the very thing many of us are so tempted to idolize, and most notably, and probably the biggest part of the problem, we feel entitled to. I understand the situation is highly nuanced, but the point is this, I don't go as far as to say that I'm being harmed because my theology doesn't let me do what I want to do. I feel my instincts betray me and I should lean into Jesus more frequently and consistently to align myself with his will in the world. And whatever part of me that needs to play the death to self part, um, or excuse me, uh, let me, I I totally messed that up. I feel my instincts betray me as far as, as desires go. Okay. And I should need to lean into Jesus more frequently and consistently to align myself with his will in the world and whatever part he needs me to play in the world. If, quote, death to self fully formed can be considered harmful, would it be more helpful to encourage people to embrace that a, That as it is acknowledged uh, that, would it be more helpful to encourage people to embrace that as it is knowledge that many, that the very life we deserve is killing us anyways? Okay. Obviously, I have not prepared the, read, the reading of this. <laughs> Let me try that one more time for crying out just, loud.
2: I think we heard you could summarize it.
0: Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to get this out, Bonnie. <laughs> All right. If, quote, death to self, fully formed, can be considered harmful, would it be more helpful to encourage people to embrace that? As it is acknowledgement that the very life we desire is killing us anyways. Okay. At least read it. Right. And that yeah. was totally worth the, the, the pause. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm being helpful and I'm reading this all because I think it raises some really interesting points. I don't know if I'm being helpful. The pastoral side of me desires deeply to show love that meets people in their moments. But when I see people seemingly ask God to accommodate them, I say, join the club. Obedience flat out hurts at times, but I trust that God knows far better than me. Boom. Now that's a question, Bonnie.
2: That is a question.
0: All right. So... Let me summarize. Okay.
2: <laughs> I think it was good you read it out loud.
0: Okay.
2: I just want to affirm you in that. Oh, okay? well, thank you.
0: It it took it took a while.
2: Sometimes <laughs> obedience is painful. Right? Yes. And yes. you did your due diligence. I
0: did it. I did it. I'm a pastor too. Watch out. Um <laughs> So it seems to be if I could and and tell me if you think I'm doing this justice. Um the, the theology of desire embraced by america is that self-expression is one of the highest goods follow your heart follow your dreams and anything that blocks desire or that 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 seeks to guilt desire or manipulate desire or shame desire like those things are considered oppressive and um and then if that's true as some as some people would say, and this is this is when I hear some of my progressive friends talk about desire, I, I hear them express it in these terms. Then the the question this gentleman is raising is, well, then where's the death to self part? Yeah. And and if every desire in our culture is is innately good and part of me being me, then um, then where in the world do we get? Can we can we say that discipleship to Jesus it uh, includes you know pick up your cross, um, you know deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, right? I mean that that call then becomes absolutely meaningless in a world where following Jesus means believe several of the right things, um, but ultimately follow your heart and your desires wherever they lead. So
2: I I feel like that's a little bit of a blanket statement. I mean, I don't think anybody's saying. You want to murder somebody, go for it. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't think that's happening. So to me it feels like this is and he did did you say that he said in there about the LGBTQ community?
0: He just is talked about what, Yes. So okay, he's so he, he's is saying that what He's referencing. Yes, I, it seems to be that okay. we focus so much on the LGBTQ community. Why why can't we simply say that Uh, self-denial, like obedience to Jesus is tough. Mm -hmm. And why are we, why are are we, are we asking God to accommodate our desires and not giving enough room for the concept of sin or fallenness Mm -hmm. in our desires, like the redemption of desire. So, no, I don't hear anyone saying any desire is fine, but there is a cultural subtext that is very much follow your dreams, follow your desires, um, and uh, and and obviously there there are boundaries to that, but those boundaries are you know over the last ten years say have been dramatically pushed from mm-hmm. where they resided for hundreds of years prior to that. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be a couple of issues. One is, uh, what's it mean to deny yourself to die to yourself? I think that's that's a fundamental question or assumption that's being raised here. All right, so okay. Bonnie, go.
2: Oh, um. That's a great question. I, I think I don't always I have a problem because I don't always think that um, I think we put uh, desire and sex together more than the Bible does or more than other cultures do. If right. that makes sense, so sure. I sometimes think that when someone says like die to your desire, we're that's what we're mostly focusing on. So I'd like to shift that a bit because I'm not sure. I think that for me, when I look at it, and I'd have to look it up again to kind of see, but to die to yourself or die to your desires, um, I would say anything in your life that holds allegiance above Jesus. Right. That's what I would. That's what I would say it as. Um, right. So, in that sense, because my desire is that I'm king or I'm queen, right? Yeah. And so yep. anything that makes that uh, true or puts me in that position, I would say that's what I need to die to.
0: okay. So that could be money, right, be which money. Jesus deals with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be reputation, that could be fame, that could be that could be any number of things.
2: Vanity, anything. yeah, right,
0: right, right. So, so to die to self, to take up your cross, and to follow, is a, is some sort of self renunciation. In other words, um, you know, it's expressed when Jesus says, "Not my my will, but your will be done." Mm-hmm. Right now, I think the reason that people reject and object, especially in Christian circles, to that, is that that w- what's happened. Uh, is, is that is that we've been sold such a thin version of the kingdom life that Jesus talks about. So instead what we have, um, it, you know, instead of life and fullness and life in the kingdom, um, we have just sin management. And so right. what, what people have experienced from the church isn't the redemption of desire at all. It's rather been the suppression of desire, the pretending that those desires aren't there, the non-transformation of those desires, even when the church has promised that Jesus will change them. And right. so, you know, you hear something like that and you just go, well, screw you guys. Um, because that that is oppressive. The way that we've taught... Or tried to teach people to manage desire has been horrible and has done right. great harm. So I think there's a legitimate complaint against the way that this traditional teaching has been used um, in the lives of people. Right? I mean, and 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 sex actually turns out to be the best example of how harmful. Hey, just good, good Christian people don't ever struggle. You know, good Christian right. people aren't disappointed in their marriage. Don't good Christian people don't want to have wild and crazy sex? Now, again, it's so much broader than that, right? But mm-hmm. sex has been the always been the issue in the Christian church. It's not been right. pride. It's not been money. It's not been any of those sorts of things. Right. So, so I think there there is a legitimate uh, objection to the straightforward dude. Yeah, obedience sucks. Absolutely, suck it up, right. princess. You know that sort of. That's sort of, um, and so my objection or my, one of my responses to this person is, no, I'm totally with you that that, like taking up your cross, denying yourself, following Jesus. Like that's, that's central to following Jesus. To say that Jesus is Lord means, Lord means authority.
2: Right, Right.
0: Right. Like, like. Yes, absolutely. So, so I'm totally there. But I think the way this this teaching has been used and weaponized, and again, weaponized is such a loaded term, but but particularly around the subject of desire, um, it's no wonder that people simply cannot fathom a a way in which life is lived wanting something and not having it. (laughs) And and that's why we've had so many of these celibate uh, same-sex attracted people on the show, because they're actually embodying what was supposed to be the universal practice of Jesus followers ultimately, which is that whatever it was that keeps you from giving allegiance to Christ must now be set in second place, third place, or whatever, And so here are these people who hold the traditional ethic, who are looking at sexual desire and saying, I can actually be fulfilled as a human person and flourish when uh, my sexual desires aren't being um, uh, genitally met. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right? Now, whether or not you agree, that's still like kind of what the picture was supposed to look like at some point.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so one, so one thing I would say is I'm sympathetic to the, yeah, yeah, of course. Set aside anything that gets in the way of allegiance to Jesus. Yes, absolutely. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. However, what we've not done has been given, has been has been uh, giving, given. We've not given people a theology of desire that does anything else other than just say, well, no, you can't have that. Yeah. Right?
2: Well, so here's my... I'm going to just like poke a hole as I do. Poke, so poke. So here's my question. And my. Pl- I would like to just make it clear that I don't think that my plight is as a woman in ministry is anything compared to the LGBTQ community. It is my experience, so I'm drawing from that. Okay? Yep, yep. So um, <clears throat> I have a problem in general with Ooh. the term, and not to say... Like, it's not real, but the term theology of desire. And here's why.
0: The term I've been using.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And here's why. Because (laughs) um, some might say to me, Bonnie, just because you want to preach, or just because you have the desire to preach and teach, or the desire to translate a Bible, you should just die to that. It doesn't mean that you can.
0: Yeah. And
2: I would say... It's not that I want I mean, of course I like doing it and I've grown to want to do it. Yeah. But there was a long history where I was like, I don't even want to do this. And you know that from yep. knowing me. Yep. Um, versus going, Okay, but like this is actually just who I am. Yep. And who I'm called to be. Yeah. So my problem is That's is so I, good. I'm not even, I feel uncomfortable and I have a gut reaction of defensive almost for the LGBTQ community because when someone says to me in a conversation, like, I don't want this life. I didn't choose this. Mm-hmm. I understand on a level of like, mm-hmm. oh, I get mm-hmm. what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, when I was saying like desire and sex, sometimes mm. I think we really make it just about that. So this kind of draws into what you just said about like living a celibate life, but is as I'm going, I'm not sure that it's fair to say to somebody, your desire is blanket this. Like someone might say to me, "You, your desire as a woman is just to be a feminist and just to uh, preach because you want to, you know, be over the men or whatever it is that disagrees with me." <laughs> and I would, to them I would say, "Well, that's you don't know me, and that's not true." Right. But it, what I'm saying is, is that yeah, I don't know. I, me and Cy, have my husband have this conversation a lot, Yeah. and he said to me, he's like, until we got in these conversations, I it takes a lot for me to figure out what it means to be a white male, because I there's nothing that I feel like I am that I'm not allowed to be to be a white straight male. Right. Whereas women, people of color, the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. that's a different story for them. So right. I think for somebody where everything that you feel like you are is permissible and allowed, then it does become about desire.
0: Okay. But hold on a second. Yes. But let me, let me be this guy for a second.
2: Go for it. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is so good, Bonnie. Okay. But my desires lead me to want to have sex with not just my spouse. Um, my desires lead me to want ambition way beyond, you know, what would, I don't know, what would be normal or, or money beyond what would be normal. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, uh, isn't the the restraining of desire in some direction or another, isn't it universal?
2: Yes. I'm, I'm saying that's, I agree with you there. Okay. And But I'm saying- Then I misunderstood. You, yeah, sorry. So for you as a white straight male in America- Yes. There's nothing that you feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, innately, I am called to be a preacher. I'm called to be a- Whatever, Ohio State fan. Whatever That's it is what I'm talking about. Yes, who feel is innately you. Yeah. Nobody has ever said you can't do that.
0: Okay. Yep.
2: Like innately yep. you, as in yep. in, in yep. the good of that. Yep. That yep. is not true. I for totally women, agree. Yep. For LGBTQ, for people Absolutely. of color. So Absolutely. Absolutely. For you, it is a theology of desire because it's not a reflective of your innate nature. It's reflective of desires you have.
0: Oh, that are external to my nature. Got it. Yes.
2: For other people, Uh, it's about nature.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have a
2: problem using the term theology of desire because it's not that cut and dry.
0: Then I will never use that term again. (laughs) You can use it. I'm, I'm just
2: speaking. So I'm saying... Inherent in the question is, I think we need to unpack that a bit.
0: That would, it's actually
2: a privilege to say, I just have all these desires and I have to die to self. Right? It's outside of nature and that's not true for everyone.
0: Got it. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to stew on that. Um, so the distinction then would be uh, the desire that I feel. As a white man, to have let's say sexual relations with many different women, mm-hmm. okay. I don't. That's part of me, right? That's that's not external to me, but mm-hmm. I'm uh, right because that. I mean, I'm not. It's coming I didn't, from you. I didn't yeah. choose that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would much rather just be somebody who is is I don't know. I mean, t- totally happy either as somebody like, who totally celibate or, or whatever. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like that. There's still these wantings when you get something, there's more wanting. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem like it's something external. That seems like that's coming from this deep place in me.
2: Okay.
0: And, and so, and again, I, Bonnie, I have no idea. I'm just, you know, yeah.
2: devil's I, advocating
0: I know. and thinking out loud or whatever. Um, and I'm trying to put myself in the position of this person to say, is there, is there that big, like you're Right there are roadblocks to fulfillment that are attached to who I am in the, in the marginalized communities that I, I can't, I can't possibly understand to be a right. person of color, to be a woman. Yes. I told, yes, no question about it. Um, But is that a function of a difference in desiring or is that a function of cultural, um, cultural, um, I don't know. Contexts and underpinnings. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Is no, the, totally. Is the, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just I mean, trying I would to.
2: Th- I agree with you. And I think we have, I mean, this, this conversation wouldn't happen even 10 years ago, probably. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause we're just, we have so much more thoughts about it and things like that. But I also think that is the beauty of the plight of discipleship is that it is anybody's job to go, is this cultural or is this me? Mm-hmm. And what does the Bible say? And what is the spirit? You know, like that's what we're here to do to spend our lives working that out. Right. Um, and but let's, so,
0: I still need to, I, st- I still need to understand what you're saying. Cause I think it's a really yeah. important point and I don't think I've got my brain around it yet. Okay. So, so, and again, I'm, I don't know where I'm at on this, but I'm just right. going to play this guy. And I'm going to say, okay, hey, the, the, there are things I want to do that Jesus says are out of bounds, and so I don't do them, and that sucks, but I don't do them, okay. right? Your counter, and, and help me, your okay. counter is, hey, it's super different when you're a white person, a white straight male saying that as opposed to somebody who is say has, has been told because of who they are internally mm-hmm. that their desires are automatically wrong because they're a woman, because they're a person of color, because they're same-sex attracted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that what you're yes. saying?
2: A little bit, yes. I would add, I think you mostly got it. I would add, because it's not necessarily, I, th- I think we would all agree there are certain, and so certain desires that we all might have that, might be taking it back to this harmful to others,
0: right? Okay, so right.
2: like killing somebody, being unfaithful, unfaithful, all those things. Um, I don't, I've never met somebody that's, and maybe this is just a blind spot for me. I've never met somebody that says, Well, I'm a rapist, that's just who I am, mm-hmm, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so, my, my, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we say, if somebody says, this is who I am as a child of God, Mm -hmm. I'm X, Y, and Z, like take me as a woman, for example, I'm a woman and I'm called Mm -hmm. and gifted to preach and teach and write and things like that. And someone might say, well, no, that's just a faulty desire you have because you're a woman. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Bible clearly states that you can't X, Y, and Z. And so to your point is there hasn't been And maybe I'm wrong, but this is coming off conversations with my husband. He said, there's never been something I've wanted to do with my life. It's an expression that comes out good, that would bring people to Jesus or whatever, that someone has said to me, you can't do because of who you are innately.
0: Absolutely. I totally understand that part. I'm trying to connect it to, yes, no, that, that, and that's so true, Bonnie. And that's so true. And that's, that's what's different in me over the last several years Yeah, is the realization that, oh, my 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 experience of American culture is so vastly different from other people's experience. And I would have said that in theory, but now you're right. being shown it every day. Right. So totally, totally, totally.
2: No, so I'm just saying, I agree with you still that there are still some things that everybody has or like people of color or women or anybody, anyone on the margins would say, yeah, you still have to deal with that and you still have to, whatever that may be, bring it. What I'm saying is the term if we automatically just assume that everybody mm-hmm. on the margins is operating on desire, I don't think that's right. fair. Got it. Because. Oh, cause you can
0: minimize it then. So, okay. yeah. So that's yeah. easily In minimized. Discounted. Ah, got yeah. it. Okay. Well, that's absolutely true then. Um, yeah. because so yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
2: sorry. I'm obviously thinking out loud. So that was no,
0: no, 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 obviously. <laughs> no, no, Bonnie, obviously me too, man. No, 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 no. You were, yeah. you were great. I'm slow. Um, so so then then actually I think we're we're actually in agreement because yeah, I so because I would say I would say um yeah I don't I don't know I would agree totally with Sai in saying I have no idea what that's like to be in a situation because of who I am I'm not allowed to do something you're absolutely right absolutely right, right absolutely right and then you're confronted with but I have this desire to do this thing right and and then how do you begin adjudicating because in your instance, I would say, well, I think the Bible obviously permits, um, and th- there's a reason you have that desire. There's I mean, a reason we all have sexual desires, right? I right. mean, obviously there's a, there's there, you know, it's C.S. Lewis's famous, you know, if you have a desire for something, are it exists. Um, right. and, uh, and so we have this desire for the spiritual and the transcendent and that exists. Um, uh, but, but so I won't use the, I won't use the phrase because no, that, I'm, that's not what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is there are, cause I think maybe I'm individualizing this too much and that's okay. what you're, that's what you're struggling with. Maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, because what I'm I saying is, listen, right. I just have moral, I have, have moral impulses okay. and those are sexual. Those are ego. Those are prideful. Those are hurtful. And, right. I, and part of discipleship to Jesus is learning to submit those to believe that at, rather than getting angry in this moment, the better way to live is to forgive and to seek peace. Right. And instead of lusting over this person, the better way to live um, is to seek purity of heart.
2: Right. And, right. and because it brings the kingdom now.
0: Yes. Yes. it's yes, yes, yes.
2: It's the right, you know, just. I'm just the, the right thing, it.
0: yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly, week. exactly. Yeah. No, that's so good. That's exactly right. But you're saying, and and this, see, again, this is so good. It's it's similar to what we were saying last week about repentance isn't just individual. So right. in this sense, desire isn't just individual either, because there have been uh, systemic evils um, and systems that have that have torn people apart by saying that their innate desires for whatever this is are absolutely wrong. There's n- they can't be acted upon in any holy context and there. F- and then that's all we say. There's nothing right. behind that. Right. Um, exactly. There's nothing behind right. that. No, I right. think that's true. Now, how would you then, um so to this guy who says, hey, okay, so what about, you know, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. I think his question is more about how do you adjudicate the impulses of the human heart to say, just because I desire something doesn't mean it's wrong, but it also doesn't mean that it's right. Mm-hmm. And and so the pastor, you know, the pastors among us would say, well, that, that's where you go to the scriptures and you have the scriptures to help reorder sort of desire. And it's part of the work of the spirit, part of transformation. What I hear from a lot of folks is we don't ever, no, nah, that's overstating it. We we are very hesitant to correct people's desirings, right? It's part of what we talked about last week, like that, that's been weaponized, right? right? right. We don't. All right, to say <clears throat> to uh to somebody who's same-sex attracted when they're 18 that you will never ever have sexual genital relationships uh that are satisfying to you. Um it, under God's blessing. Right? That's mm-hmm. that 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 seems like a curse, of course, rather than right. just obedience is hard. Right. Okay. All right. Tim, you got thoughts, buddy? Is this making any <laughs> sense or are we dragging on way too long? <laughs> No,
1: we kind of talked about the, I led worship at a men's retreat this last weekend and we were talking a lot about distractions and desires and that kind of stuff. And I was remembering, and this is going to, this is, this is a very simple example, very basic. Um, do you guys know who Ray Steadman is?
0: I've heard of Ray Stedman. I he was a famous uh, pastor, writer, person. Yeah, writer, pastor in the Bay
1: Area in the 70s. And nice. I used to read a lot of his books when I was teaching because um, I liked to steal from him. Perfect. And uh, he used to have this little analogy. He had a little, it was a diagram, and it was a, it was a little chair, a little throne of your heart. And then it had like these little <laughs> satellites that floated around it, right? That was and Bill was, like, Bright. Remember, that
0: was a Campus Crusade for Christ thing, too.
1: It was like whatever's sitting at the throne of your heart, you know, so there's this continual checking of what's sitting there and in America often it's work or it is desire or it's something of that nature and God becomes one of the satellites that floats around that throne and whatever sits on the throne tends to infect whatever's kind of floating around the throne. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're having a long conversation about what it means if you're continually checking that it is Jesus that is in fact sitting on that throne, he begins to infect those desires and those things begin to change just based on the fact of being active with what is sitting at the throne of your heart. I was thinking about this last week too with the repentance talk, because I feel like for me, repentance is, is not just one time turning and yeah, facing yeah. towards Jesus. It's like a daily, like I have to pick the cross daily. So I'm living, Yeah, my faith is active, not passive. It's not a thing where I'm like, I have repented and I have turned. It's like today is Friday and I'm going to have to repent and turn again.
2: And right. make sure it's that like I'm A, reoriented.
0: A, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So the whole, like Jesus enthroned in my heart, boy, that's an interesting image. Um, Cause that was, I mean, that was central to me when I was really young. I mean, that, this was the Campus Crusade, like, like picture. You had this four spiritual law booklet about Jesus, you know, accepting Jesus. And then you had this Holy Spirit booklet about jesus sitting on the throne of your life and um yeah that's interesting that might be worth exploring someday because i'm like oh yeah i i see what i see what it's trying to get at um i i don't know I, that's tough because first of all i can't do it by myself right. um it, which, which was also an to-
1: interesting conversation about repentance too like We talked about kind of national repentance, but even just like the role that the community plays
0: in personal repentance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's good. Um, You know what's
2: interesting about that Jesus on the throne of my heart is um, when you said that, I realized that as a kid, I was constantly taught, like I would never pictured him on a throne in my heart. I Mm. constantly pictured like... The door was shut and he's just like standing there knocking. Yeah. And I remember being like, they like, you just have to answer it and being like, I have. <laughs> and he's still knocking.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. But
2: I'm all that to say is that like how Tim is talking about like what we went back to about leaving with experience, how Tim is experiencing it and how you are based on like yeah. what you've experienced in your life. I the mean, tricycle. the same thing is. Yeah, the same thing is true for repentance in that, like, I grew up in a denomination that was very much like, he's going to knock until, like, you get your stuff figured out. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't open it, and then he comes in and figures it out with you,
0: you know? <laughs> right, right. You kick him out the next the next uh, lie you tell. He's out. He's knocking again.
2: He's got one foot out the door.
0: The thing <laughs> that, that I mean... That's so good. Cause the thing I'm thinking about is, okay, I, I, I need to keep checking if Jesus is enthroned in my heart. So how do I, how do I know when he is and, mm-hmm. and how do I think when he's not? And the only answer I'm going to give now, again, just me, but it's going to be behavioral. Right? So, okay. um, did I sin today? Did I not sin today? Did I, you know, I said this harsh word or whatever. Um, And and I wonder, and again, Tim, I'm not saying this is implied by the diagram or that it was implied at all by your discussion of it, but rather when I I filter that, I filter it through behavior and and then immediately turn it into sin management. Jesus is on the throne when I obey. He's not on the throne when I disobey. And I want to say, I'm not, I don't know that I would put it that way because it seems like uh, if you get an A ahead of time, um, your disobeying doesn't mitigate the A, right? right. Now, obviously, He's you can quench there, the yeah. spirit and grieve the spirit, but Jesus is still kind of in threat. Like it, it's not a picture that in any way speaks to the relationality of the covenant that Jesus Himself has promised. Instead, right. what it what it feels like is this uh, the, again, just to me, this behavioral checklist. Um, where on some days, yes, he's enthroned and other days he's not. Whereas the much better indicator, um, is, is my ability to love my enemy, my, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, it's sort of, it's, it's too reductionistic to, um, to capture this vibrant intimacy we're supposed to have with, with the spirit Mm -hmm. and Christ through the spirit. And so anyway, I'm just thinking out loud about why, when you first said it, I was like, I need to find something wrong with that well i
2: i I agree with you because i think in like our conversation last week of um how i would check is um am i being punished or not
0: ah yes
2: and so is there smiting yes my hard work as a disciple has been like if you're being punished or you're not quote being punished you know whatever that means jesus is still lord Like, whatever's happening here, and he's not doing those things. And so sometimes it's like a, I had a few people reach out to me and say, like, that's me. I am always thinking I'm going to be punished. And so what's funny is, like, as a coping mechanism, I now all the crazy punishing thoughts, I just say them out loud. And then Sai responds with, you weirdo. And that's to me to go, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because um, he's there no matter what's happening. And my hard work is to know that and to trust that, you know? So
0: God, so yeah, God for you is almost a schizophrenic parent who um, is just looking for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, God is a, or, or, well, maybe my.
2: Here's a a good example. We went to church on Sunday, this new church. Before Mm. church, we bought a fruit cup. Okay. Like you do. Like one it's, day.
0: It's Texas.
2: <laughs> so we buy this fruit cup. And then I was, I'm, I've been on the fence about if I want to go to this church or not. Okay. okay.
0: But not about the fruit cup. You were not totally committed we're, to the fruit cup.
2: I, the kids ate the fruit cup. Okay. We leave church. Yep. The kids get food poisoning from the fruit cup. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> and they spend the day barfing. Later, I say to Cy, do you think God planted that fruit cup? So we wouldn't go to that church. <laughs> and he says,
0: you weirdo. <laughs> you weirdo. Yes.
2: <laughs> and then I can laugh about it and go, okay, yeah, that is weird. And that's not how he is. But I have to reorient, am I looking at God like a schizophrenic parent? Or am yeah. I looking at God like God? <laughs>
1: oh, so I think with so... me, it's, a, it's, it's even one to the side of that where it's never, the, the rechecking of the throne analogy or whatever is not, a, it doesn't lead to condemnation or sin management for me, it leads to like, it leads to reorientation and it leads to this idea of intent. Like Hmm. I may have done this and that. And does that mean that I I have to manage the sin or is it just like, what, what was, what was the driving force behind that? Like what's pushing, Mm -hmm. what's the Hmm. North star, what's driving the vehicle, what's the engine in the car, so to speak? Like, yep. Yep. It doesn't, it doesn't break down to something where I'm constantly like, you know, Broken down and, and frustrated that I'm living a sinful life, but right. does that make sense? It never Absolutely, leads to a condemnation thing. No, no, it that's makes good. Total
2: sense. Uh, I and wish I could see day, it that way. Everybody found out that Tim was the most healthy spiritual person on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I always feel like I, I like my analogy for how I picture God is like God has given me a uh, a Lamborghini. Oh. um of of desire of ambition of all of this stuff and then he put the speed limit at 55 oh bamba. on a straight road going downhill <laughs> and then he oh sits God. at the bottom of the hill with a radar detector and he's waiting to pull me over
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, but
2: he set you up for it
0: yeah and 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 so so absolutely. And and so um the minute I I transgress, I'm immediately looking for his discipline. Mm. You know? And it's yeah. so similar, Bonnie. I don't I don't look at it as disaster. I look at it as you know, uh you're not going to find a job. You're not going to oh. I'm not going to use you anymore. I'm not going mm-hmm. to bless you. You know, and I look at it totally selfishly. Um but but that's so interesting because the yeah. again the throne on the life for me then gets turned into I need to be afraid of speeding because mm. if I do I might lose X Y and Z right You know what I mean Yeah I never yeah. feel that way <laughs> You suck
1: What is your life I feel like, like <laughs> well, I'm more I get more worried like if you, say I was a pastor and I screwed up I am not I'm less worried about God and I'm more worried about me being, or even the fear of screwing up. I'm afraid of destroying the ministry mm-hmm. and being a bad witness or a bad example mm-hmm. or a bad mm-hmm. picture of Jesus to people that, you know, you might be the face of that or whatever. But if I if if I stumble, I tend to see, and I'm very visually minded, and this is going to sound really corny and very uh, even physically minded within that. Like if I feel like I'm on my knees because I fell, I just I I picture reaching up. I'm I'm picturing mm. a hand that pulls me back up to my feet and says, Let's keep going, let's try again. Mm. And maybe that's just like the parenting aspect of the whole thing, but I'm rarely looking for the back hand. I'm looking right. for the hand that's extended. You bastard.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Erie, wouldn't wouldn't you say too I mean okay, so when you just said, Tim, that parenting aspect I have to work so hard in disciplining and discussing God with the children because I don't want them to come out like I am.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to say so many
2: things that I'm like, oh, my gosh, if only I believed this, <laughs> you know, yeah. or like, lived like I did. Right. I do believe it, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing, there was a guy named John Coe.
2: who oh, I know John Coe.
0: You know John. He's a Talbot um yeah. uh, unbelievable and he he threw this line out once he's like, most parents teach moralism to their kids they just teach sin management you gotta hide yeah, your right. sin um but so the gospel true. the gospel is and I want to do a whole show on this because this is I see this now everywhere right um but the gospel is we're actually still loved in our badness. Mm-hmm. And we're not shied away from, we're not ashamed in our badness. Jesus pursues us and sits with us and calls us and invites us out of that right and so to, I've practiced that with my kids, mm-hmm. where we don't do behavior management um on a very superficial like you know Hannah, would you stop chewing with your mouth open, please? Um, but we, I can't tell you the last time we've actually grounded our kids, taken away anything. And they're, they're right, right in the middle of teenagerdom.
2: I give you some tips.
0: Well, no, no, no. Cause what you. we, cause what we, cause what we do is we, we go to the level of desire mm. and we go to, what were you feeling when you mm. made this decision? And what was the, yeah. And, and, and it's fascinating because they tell me everything. I mean, everything. Right. And I've got to keep a poker face, you know. Um, (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: But it's been so but that that idea of not not teaching our children to sin manage, because that's what I do. That's all I know um is sin management has been absolutely revolutionary. And yeah, sometimes it's it's pushing me beyond what I myself practice um with myself. But it's been it's been absolutely remarkable so far. I mean, our teenage years have been the best years so far. They've been hard. Let's
2: try that this week. And well, I'm it's report back.
0: I, awesome. It's 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 helpful when they get older, but but we've yeah. not. I mean, I, I can't. It's been ten years maybe since we've disciplined our kids. That's now, insane. Seth. That is Seth is different because he has no impulse control at all, right. and so very often we have to do very basic. You know, when you run outside naked, this right. you know, and there are safety <laughs> issues with him too that we have to yeah. just crack down on right um uh so so this doesn't hold with him in some ways because he, he's still even though he's 10 he's st- he feels like a toddler sometimes yeah you know like he's right. he's just you you need to just sort of shut down um uh, possibilities as uh, as a way but for nate and hannah i mean and, and we've dealt with some really heavy stuff and and it's been it's been interesting cuz i do it all on all on the the context of i trust you i absolutely trust mm. you absolutely mm. trust you there are battles i fight like they both have flip phones and they hate it um oh, yeah. but but i'm like it's not because i don't trust you it's because the world is is just it's awful right up. now yeah and you can you can get into things that will absolutely wreck you the rest of your life mm-hmm. and i'm yeah. willing to be that idiot dad who simply says totally. you know what I will fight I will I will give up on all the other battles so I can fight this one battle
1: yeah yep. right I
0: don't care when mm-hmm. they go to bed as long as they get good great I mean I, they have so much freedom and independence but on this one bam no yeah. way man no way um because I know what no, that's great I,
1: I definitely grew up in the sin management shame culture
0: yeah I but like you've it's turned out my okay.
1: late 30s well but it's like he not did, I, Tim. I'm in therapy <laughs> like it's one of those things that you know you I took me into my late 30s to realize that that's not how God like interacted with me
0: yeah 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 there was this one and we'll close with this I, I again I have no idea if this if this version of our podcast is in any way interesting to people um, kind of our, our general musings, I, I hope. They
2: stop sending you emails. They're like, yeah, exactly. yeah I, I don't yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that was, I, I was, so I'm, I'm, I'm very performance based. I'm very approval seeking. And, uh, I was at a church called Rock Harbor and we were, we were moving from this big tent where we used to do Easter services. And, um... You know, I mean, it was a big deal. We were in the part, the parking lot of the Orange County Fairgrounds, but we were moving. We were moving into this thing called the Pacific Amphitheater, which is Mm -hmm. like I don't know, it seats like twelve or thirteen thousand people. And we were doing Easter services in that thing. Yep. And the night before the first time, I was a wreck. I mean, I was a wreck. I was so nervous, and I mean, I was just out of my mind. And so I'm walking around the Pacific Amphitheater. There's nobody there. And I'm just terrified, right I'm gonna screw this up. it's gonna be awful, right. blah 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 and um and and two friends showed up, and I've told this story before um my my son Nate had played soccer earlier that day, and we were just discovering that he was actually really good at soccer, so he'd scored like four or five goals in the first ten minutes, and we just had to pull him. you know what I mean it was like this right, is like, not fair. Okay, this
2: isn't fair, yeah.
0: And, 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 and so I'd been thinking a bit about that. I was like, how cool is that? And I, then I fortunately discovered I was one of the parents that cared a lot, uh, that it was, you know, oh. that he was good at that. But <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, anyway, long story. The, the, these two friends come over and they offer to pray because they see that I'm a mess. And they, as they begin to pray, my brain drifts off. And I was just thinking about how cool it was to watch Nate play soccer. And, and one of the dudes grabs my shoulder And he interrupts his prayer and he grabs my shoulder and he says, Mike, the way that you were thinking about Nate right now is the way that the father is thinking of you.
2: Oh, I love that. Now,
0: I love it, but I just can't believe it. I just utterly and absolutely cannot believe that that is true. That that is true. That would be life changing to believe Mm -hmm.
2: that. Like, I don't believe that's true for me. I believe yep. that's true
0: for you. yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I believe it for you, Bonnie. You are the yeah. apple of God's eye, man. <laughs> but I can't know. and and I mean, I was weeping, and I mm. was I, but but it didn't penetrate into the depths, you know? I was like, mm-hmm. my goodness, could God actually think that? but that mm-hmm. that is how I've tried to walk with our kids mm-hmm. has been that sort of posture. Um, and it has been, and again, we're not done and holy cow, we are not perfect. Uh, but it's been super interesting and different from a lot of the parental relationships that I, that I'm observing and hearing about from their peers. And so I think there's something to it. Uh, I actually think there's something to it, but uh, alas, that will be another conversation.
2: That's great. Thanks for sharing that.
0: Oh, well, Bonnie, thank you for sharing your hair. Um, with with half of the state of texas i mean it's it's awesome i am so jealous uh and then tim tim looks totally like he's uh in portland right now he's got this zip up and this like beanie it. and it's kind of depressing looking and <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right vox well to whatever degree this is helpful praise jesus um, we're so, gr- so glad to be a part of, of your life. And, uh, we just des- deeply desire, as we were praying beforehand, just deeply desire that the beauty of Jesus would somehow find its way through all of this, um, and that you'd be blessed. Um, and so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, in these days, may he give you peace. Till next time, friends. Thank you so much.